Today's episode is brought to you by the Reese Hotel in Queenstown. Now is the time to book your five-star hotel stay at the Reese Hotel in Queenstown, proudly New Zealand owned and operated. With stunning lake and mountain views, courtesy town shuttles, a private beach and jetty access, and staff that'll blow your socks off with their impeccable service, it's definitely not your average weekend getaway. Guests can experience the talents of Chef Corey Hume at True South Dining Room for some exquisite locally sourced produce or their lobby bar with the award-winning wine cellar bursting with local and international vintages or simply work your way through their cocktail list. Perhaps if the mood strikes, uh, break out the in-house Bentley Continental for a quick lakeside spin or an airport pickup with a difference. The video you're seeing now, I took over the weekend with my stay up there. This is the view from one of their balconies. While all the rooms come with balconies and heaps of space to enjoy these views, now is the time to book your weekend getaway with a special discounted price. Book now via the hotel website. That's the race, T-H-E-R-E-E-S.co.nz. Use the promo code COVID-19, one word, to receive a special offer of 10% off any accommodation. That's thereese.co.nz and use the promo code COVID-19 for your getaway. The Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with Pat Brittenden. Behemoth, give me something hoppy. Here we go. We're into it live with Heather Simpson from backtothevax.com. Heather, thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, and welcome. Kia ora, welcome to New Zealand. Thanks for having me. I mean, when I say welcome to New Zealand, obviously I mean metaphorically from – where are you? You're in uh, Texas, eh? Yes. So what is the weather like there right now? Because it, yeah, it's my, like – I've got my Astros cap on, especially for you. Um, <laughs> the weather here at the moment, well, we're coming towards the end of summer. So we're a temperate country. The northern part of our country is subtropical. So up in uh, Auckland and up in the northern part of the North Island, it's probably, gosh, I have to do Fahrenheit, don't I? Because I was going to say in the 20s, the 20s <laughs> is 70s. So in the 70s Fahrenheit. Okay, uh, that's end of summer. Yeah, and in the southern <laughs> part of the South Island, which is where I am, which is colder because the next stop is Antarctica, um, it's more like in the teens which will be in the, uh, what do you do, you double it and add 30. So let's say it's it's more like in the 50s, 60s. So 50s, 60s in the South Island, 70s-ish in the North Island. And um, yeah, and and pretty cool, actually, um, both metaphorically and literally. <laughs> That's It's funny you say 20s at first, because we we are in the 20s Fahrenheit here right now. Right. Yeah, the um, freeze point is 30, 31 degrees Fahrenheit is the, is what we have as zero, because that's freezing point. Okay. It's, always, that it's always been kind of weird to me, because we're the metric system, and it makes so much more sense, because we're exactly. zero, zero degrees is freezing, 100 degrees is boiling. I don't it even know what what fahrenheit boiling is because i know it's that zero like 212 i think and <laughs> 32 it makes no sense everything is complicated yeah there's a there's a bit of a rule uh i think it's uh what you do is you to go from fahrenheit to celsius you minus 30 and then halve it it's an approximation but it's about right so your 70 minus 30 is our 20 so 70 okay. minus 30 is 40 half it is 20 so that's about what it is <laughs> yeah. um so, hey, look, thanks for jumping in and thanks for being uh, open to doing a proper live stream. If there are people who are coming on board to the live stream, this will be a really interesting one to share around whilst we're live streaming. Of course, as people know, when we do do a for real live stream, um, you can uh, comment on this. You can, uh, and if you do add your comments, we can uh, potentially share them as we're talking as well. Uh, but uh, Heather is someone who, uh, it's okay to describe as even some, something it's a bit of a swear word, but to describe as an anti-vaxxer, but a, but a former anti-vaxxer. So you're an anti-anti-vaxxer, technically, yeah. or an ex-anti-vaxxer. Ex-anti-vaxxer, yes. And now you spend your time, um, I, I mean, I, I, used to, I used to know and work with a guy who um, was a parenting expert, and he described himself as a beggar trying to show other beggars where to find bread. That was the way he described himself. And I kind of thought a bit the same about you because it seems that what you're doing now with, uh, I guess, primarily your uh, website, backtothevax.com, 
and subsequent uh, you know social media world like the Facebook page we're looking at right now, if you are watching us rather than listening, is to educate people as to why things like the vaccine is a good thing to do and a positive thing to do uh, right. and coming at it from a place of, I guess, understanding maybe maybe you do maybe you don't but understanding all the comments that people made and why they would make it about being anti-vaxxers would that be a fair synopsis of what you're doing and who you are now yeah so when i kind of came out um as pro-vaccine last january um lydia green messaged me and she's my partner in back to the facts or back to the vax i'm looking at the screen right now back to the vax um we use facts on Facebook because they wouldn't let us use facts. Um, she right. reached out and she said, Hey, you know, I haven't vaccinated my kids for 12 years, but this pandemic is making me realize that uh, I should, I should, you know, what, what if the economy tanks? Like what if all these diseases come back? And she got all three of her kids up to date the past, this past year. And wow. uh, it was cool because when we formed this group, I mean, we have a private Facebook group where we talk about our fears and things like that. Um, and it's just being able to talk to people. Like I had a conversation last week with a girl that was on my friends list as an anti-vaxxer back in the day. Uh, she saw like the chaos of me being excommunicated or whatever. And she was like, Hey, I think I'm wrong and I, I want to start vaccinating. But it was so cool because I understand her fear of making that first phone call to schedule the appoint the first vaccine for her child it's so real i mean when my child got her first vaccine i thought i was gonna throw up like uh, really i was so freaked out and i had come out as pro vaccine you know months before but it was like all those tropes all those things that you believe in the anti-vaccine world are so deeply embedded it is like i had to disassociate vaccines with death in my mind because for so long i believe that if i vaccinated her she would just straight up die well, so let, let's let's look at that because look you're a great person to talk to because it's like talking to someone who has all the knowledge of an anti-vaxxer without having to have an argument with an anti-vaxxer um <laughs> because in in my uh small-minded head i would go 99 percent of my friends have had their kids vaccinated not one of their kids have died why would I go to the conclusion that if I got my child vaccinated, they're going to die? It's okay. I was talking to some legislators the other, like two weeks ago, because they were like, we're putting out these commercials that are like, you know, support your community and do what's best for everybody. These emotional commercials, but what I was saying is y'all don't understand like these anti-vaxxers have dug deeply into the, the literal like workings of the vaccine. Now they're totally wrong, but they have a reason for why they believe it causes X, Y, Z. So, you know, with the COVID vaccine, they have entire theories on the spike protein. I mean, you can't just be like, it's safe and effective when they have listened to a quack doctor talk about the spike protein and blah, 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 blah. And they have ex like exact reasons for why it's going to kill them. That was why uh, I was anti-vax. I believed like the aluminum would be engulfed by the, I don't even know how to say it, macrophages or whatever and slip through the blood brain barrier. Like I had all these theories that other, you know, influential anti-vaxxers held and I truly believe that I had the science to back me. It wasn't just like, oh, I just feel like she'll die. Like, no, I really had the fake science to back me. I, I look, I get it. And I want to delve into this. And I also want to get into the idea of, of who you were in that community. Because my understanding is you were quite had quite a lot of influence. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But again, like here in New Zealand, there was a report two or three or four weeks ago. Now, forgive me, I don't have the latest and up-to-date data. But the report talked about there is possibly one person, and it says possibly, doesn't say definitely, possibly one person whose death did was caused by the vaccine. So, of course, that one person has now been held up as the example as to why not to get the vaccine. Although at the same time, 10 million doses, we're a country of 5 million people, 10 million doses of the vaccine had been given without leading to anyone's 
possible death. Now that let me just say that possible death is horrific. It's it's if if it is, I I get how the 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 partner of that person is really um anti-vax, let's say, because her experience is one hundred percent of my boyfriends died from the vaccine. If that was it, it does say possibly, so I'll be careful that people don't clip this out and say that's what I'm saying because the report says possibly. Right. But her experience is 100% of my boyfriends possibly died of that. So I get it. She gets a pass. No problems with that. That's your experience. But, and as tragic as it is, though, that doesn't show out in the data when there was at the same time 10 million doses given. That didn't. So I still kind of go, and I know you've just explained because you dealt deep, uh, you delve deep down into it. It's just so problematic that those numbers would be there. And people would still go, no, vaccine's too dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. they. Um, it, the likelihood of dying in a car wreck at any given moment is so much higher than that. The, mm, it's just, But we still drive and we still wear our seatbelts. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, you, have you heard the whole thing like, why wear a seatbelt when it's been documented that some people have died from the seatbelt? It's like, okay, well, <laughs> your chances are way better if you wear a seatbelt. But I want to speak to that a little bit because that was my thinking yeah, um, back in the day when I heard that one child maybe had this crazy rare uh, reaction to something. I, I can't even think of anything that would be legitimate I would be like, okay, that's every kid. That must be everyone. So the, the risks are too great. You know, I wouldn't look at the risks of, say, measles. I wouldn't look at the risks of polio. I would look at the vaccine. <laughs> I would just make it into this all-encompassing thing. It, it's a worldview when you're an anti-vaxxer. It's, it's a complete worldview. It's not like, oh, I don't really like that thing about that vaccine. Like, it's an entire yeah. mindset, which yeah. is what we're seeing with these protests. And you could and you catastrophize it. You mm -hmm. go one, and I'm going to still say potential because the report said possibly linked to. So one potential death in one person means everyone's going to die. You catastrophize it and go, that's my link. But but then if but then when everyone doesn't die, like is there the anti-vax a weekly meeting where you kind of go, you know, there's been this death. And then someone goes, what about all the ones that haven't died? And that's like, oh, we don't talk about them. I mean, is, is that even ever brought up? That is never brought up and it would never go, you know, viral. Like, oh, I, I got the shot. Nothing happened. That's not going to get shared everywhere. And then another thing, and I'm, I tell people this story. It's kind of gross. But when I was going to get my flu shot last January, I um, had a bad reaction to some antibiotics I was on. <laughs> So I was supposed to go get my flu shot Friday morning and I started spitting up blood that morning. Oh. It was really, I had to have an emergency endoscopy, but um, had I gotten my flu shot first and then started spitting up blood, all I would have to do is go to Facebook and be like, y'all guys, I just got my flu shot and immediately started spitting up blood. Like you, you should not get your flu shot. This is bad news. And that probably would have get, gotten shared a lot and prevented a lot of people from getting the flu shot when really it was an antibiotic. It was a rare reaction. So I just, it's, that's how it happens though. They would have blamed the flu shot. I would have blamed the flu shot. I, I, I do I do have people in my circle who are, who are anti-vaxxers. Um, I have done over the past by, especially when my children were younger and we were mixing in some different circles in a different part of the country. Um, and it seems that one of those tropes that does come out is like, you know, vaccines and autism. But much like what you're talking about, because what you're talking about is a timing thing. If the timing had been the other way, yours might have been a story spread through the anti-vaxxer world, literally the whole globe, um, of what ha actually happened. Whereas it seems to me that uh, the one report that was written that connected vaccines to autism has since been debunked several times, including the author himself saying it was false. And children happen to develop signs of autism around the same time they get their vaccines that's that's part of their development that's when it shows up right. so the timing thing is the coincidental thing that adds to the story for the anti-vaxxer that's what you're saying yes absolutely our brains are wired to look for a connection and so it, it it's very hard not to you have to actively try not to 
Yeah, there's a thing called motivated cognition. I was talking to a scientist on the podcast last year, and he talked about people who deny climate climate science. He's done some research on it. And motivated cognition is where you have your conclusion already that you believe. And when you get presented evidence that disputes your position, you just find a different path to the same position. And I see that all <laughs> all through this. It's like like uh, like myocarditis caused by the vaccine causes death. Well, did you know that myocarditis, you're eight times more likely, well, eight to 16 times more likely to get it if you get COVID. Yep. Um, and then they just find a different way to a, a same conclusion of death. Well, you know, this is what the government says about people dying from the vaccine. It's just they're, they're, the conclusion is what the, all they worry about. They don't worry about the path to get there. They find a path to get there no matter what evidence they're presented, which is negative. Like it's it's the black swan theory, you know. It's the theory that all I need to do to prove to you the that the, that the saying all swans are white, all <laughs> I need to do to prove to you that to disprove that is show you one black swan. So yeah. so you show anti-vaxxers a black swan and then another black swan and then another black swan and they just find a different way to get to the same conclusion. Not just anti-vaxxers, but that's the motivated cognition that a lot of people do all the time. You know what's interesting about finding different ways to get there? It goes into the worldview. It's, you know, it's not just, oh, vaccines might cause autism. Because if you go to them and you say, okay, I found a black swan, or you say, I have a fully unvaccinated child with autism. They're going to say, well, hey, did you get vaccines while you were pregnant? And if you say no, they'll say, were you vaccinated as a kid? Yeah, so you can't get out of it. You can't get out or they'll say, did you feed them bad kids that caused it? Or did you feed them bad food that caused inflammation? It's yeah. it's your fault no matter what. So yeah. yeah, their brain is wired to look for a cause. Let me just say as well, for people who are watching, I don't know we do this because we often record and upload, but we are live live streaming today. So um, if you are watching right now and you've just joined us, Heather Simpson is, I guess what we describe it as, as an anti-anti-vaxxer, an ex-anti-vaxxer. <laughs> Someone who was quite high profile in the anti-vaxxer world up until about a year ago, but more than that. And you're welcome to join in and ask questions and have comments, even if it's just to say hello, like Planner Walk has just done. Ahoy, back to you, Planner Walk. Thank you for uh, joining in the live stream. So, yeah, this is a live live stream. So if you want to join in, you are absolutely able to and welcome to. Um, Heather, describe for me, when I've said a couple of times you had quite an influence what kind of influence? Like you had a fairly large social media. What are we talking about in your anti-vaxxer world? Um, I had been kind of like casually viewing the anti-vax world on Facebook thinking like, this is crazy. I would never be that brave. Like that's terrifying to think that people are actually talking about this publicly. And then when I finally decided to, you know, kind of branch out and speak about my beliefs, um, my first post got shared like seven or 800 times. And it just, wow. it was the weirdest thing because it was like immediately every post from then on out got shared a lot. I got friend requests nonstop. I turned around and I had like a dozen hate pages made about me. So I was just kind of like picked out as this person to hate in the anti-fax world. And that hate kind of like, made like fed into me being more popular i would be getting like message after message asking medical advice and i couldn't i knew like I, I was i was dumb but i was not that dumb to be giving medical advice but it was it was it still floored me at the time that people were asking other anti-vaxxers for medical advice as if that was um something i, I mean it was it was bizarre but yeah that just kind of took off and I was just completely in the world. Yeah. So you stuck your head up as someone who was adhering to some of these anti-vaxxer uh, beliefs. Mm -hmm. You said you got hate pages. I'm assuming that's from people who were, let's say, I mean, when you say you came out as pro-vaccine, that term to me is just so foreign because pro-vaccine makes it sounds like there's an option. And I know they're kind of is. <laughs> But it's it's like say yeah I'm pro, I'm pro oxygen I mean you know you might be anti oxygen but I'm I'm pro oxygen you know um, I'm assuming that means from people who were who who were for the vaccine and were saying that you were you know sharing evil thoughts and stuff but um, the so people were coming to you asking for medical advice because you'd shared a couple of posts that were probably tropes or memes from other people and you just repassed them on. 
And then they see, again, it's that motivated cognition. They see that as gospel and they see that as, um, you know, cognition bias or, or, or confirming what they already want to believe. And then all of a sudden you're an expert. That's actually, I mean, I've, I've done a bit of research in my years about cults, especially religious cults. And it's kind of what that is. You know, when you yeah. become a part of a cult, uh, you receive love bombing. You are isolated from the out, outside world. You are supported by that group. You are lifted up by that group. And then it also becomes, and maybe this is what you've experienced as well, incredibly hard to turn against that cult. Very hard. Yeah. Just uh, I, when I made a post, like uh, right before COVID started, I kind of made a post that was like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm more middle ground. I, I think we should try to make vaccines safer, but I don't. I don't think we should eliminate them because it would be crazy to say not one vaccine has saved one life. Um, and that sentence alone, like hundreds of people were just like horrified that I acknowledged that one vaccine could have saved a life. <laughs> it was like I had killed someone by saying that and then using Tylenol, using anything not natural is, um, yeah, you're just kind of, you're, not in the group if you're not completely in the group. But but what about others? I mean, you were talking about you had an infection earlier and, and spitting up blood on antibiotics. I mean, what about other medical interventions? What about the antivaxxers taking an aspirin for a headache? Or uh, I always think it's hilarious, and I inevitably find them in a crowd when they are talking about I don't want to put anything, uh, you know, any of the stuff into my body, bad into my body, whilst they're puffing on a cigarette. That's always the best comment I see. <laughs> or tattoo. <laughs> At these campus, yeah, or tattoos. I mean, what about other medical advice? How do you? How, when I say when I say do you, I guess I am looking to you as a representative of the anti-vaxxer world in general. So, how does one then accept any medical advice, or are most anti-vaxxers va uh, fat vaxxers also <laughs> sort of anti any kind of medical help whatsoever? So, you know, don't give me blood for blood infusion because. I don't believe it. You're putting gremlins inside me. So what I kind of realized is they're not anti-surgery. Like they're, they're pro, okay. they're pro trauma and recovery and pro surgical intervention if it's absolutely necessary. But they, and I say they loosely, like, you know, obviously there's always people in a group that don't relate to what I'm saying, but they were typically against like medical advice, like against like for the flu, they would not do Tamiflu. They wouldn't do any of that kind of stuff that would be regarded as normal. They would not treat a fever maybe with Tylenol or Motrin. They would treat it with peppermint oil. Um, they would treat illnesses with elderberry and silver. Um, I mean, if you go deep into some of the Facebook groups, it would be more, it, I mean, it's all natural, holistic, crunchy, for quite literally everything. That's just the entire worldview. And of course, the, one of the ironies in what you've just said, and I know it's not quite as black and white as this, is what it sounds like you're saying is if it's an emergency, perhaps a life-threatening situation, then medical intervention is okay. So especially especially in America, I mean, I think I actually looked at it, I was looking at it yesterday because we're here in New Zealand, we're just going through an Omicron wave. We've been very lucky in New Zealand. And if you have a look at our numbers, we've, a country of 5 million people and we've had about 60 deaths. You know, if you have a look at the list of countries in the world, I think we're about 210 out of about 200 countries in the world with death, like with the best record of deaths per million. So our government's done very well at keeping that safe. Of course, me saying that straight away, I'll be a shill and I'll be attacked for that kind of thing because there's, there's things like uh, this going on right now about, you know, protecting our freedoms and, 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 you know, us being allowed to, um, not vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but what I'm saying is you numbers are brutal, but numbers are honest. They and are, you can't yeah. really argue our numbers. Um, and, and I looked yesterday and, and, and you're about to approach a million people dead in America. It's, mm -hmm. At least that was like 970,000 or something because I was, looking, I was I was trying to do some re the research on what the wave would be for Omicron. And it looks like it's about a four week wave around the country, around the world. Sorry. Um, so what I was going to say is obviously, and I'm sure you know where this was going, is that for some people, this is an emergency. This is a life and death decision. And if they're happy to accept surgery when it's a life and death decision, it seems, I mean, if I was being 
generous, I'd say incongruent, if I was being honest, I'd say hypocritical, that yeah. therefore they reject this, a vaccine. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And then to have people taking up some beds in the hospital that could be to the, given to those who did choose to get the vaccine, um, that is very frustrating too. Um, I, I always saw that issue because I would have these conversations with a lot of my friends and they would always clarify that they are fine with trauma um, recovery and, and surgery and things like that. And it, it just, it was kind of the pick and choose thing. Um, part of when I got excommunicated or whatnot, that month that I said, you know, one vaccine saved one life, uh, in that big post, uh, I was kind of stating that I had like a middle ground in a way. And um, I said, hey, you know what I'm realizing? Nobody is forcing vaccines onto your kids per se. Nobody is going into your home and holding your kids down and vaccinating them. They're requiring them for schools, uh, for the mm -hmm. public education. And no one's, I mean, in our, uh, like, we're still allowed to homeschool. We're still allowed to choose private schools. We're allowed to have the choices. But I was starting to feel like there was a lot of entitlement, like, okay, you want this quote unquote free public education, but you want it on your terms. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. And they're like, well, we're paying taxes. And I say, sure, you're paying taxes, but you're paying taxes for the roads, construction on the roads, and you don't get to pick how the roads are designed. So I don't think you should really get to pick the school rules for them. And so well, when no, I, 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 I agree, that, that's that idea of, yeah, I'm paying taxes. And yeah. they're like, yeah, and we're providing the school for you. It's like right. I pay, I'm paying rates for my city and that goes towards the library. If I'd like a library built closer to me, I don't get to make that choice. I, I, I pay those rates or those taxes or whatever. And that goes towards the library or it goes towards the school that is provided for me. If I choose not to use it, that's up to me. But that doesn't mean I get to have a new library, you know, in the house next to me. It means I'm choosing not to use it. And I, and I know that this is a really interesting, I love it. Let me tell you, I love American politics and I love American conversations. I have them a lot. And it seems to me, I don't know where you sit politically sort of thing. And that's not, I'm not really interested in that. You can, you're welcome to share, but you, you see things like um, on one side of the conversation, you know, uh, um, you know, like let's say it's a, it's a traditional religious conservative person in America doesn't want their money to go towards abortions. They not, not that it didn't or ever did because there was a, a law made, but they don't want that. They, they don't want their money wasted on various things, often around social issues and race. Yet when a, a Democrat or a progressive person goes, well, I don't want my money spent on the military. You know, so it's like, and then the conservative person goes, well, that, that's different. And it's like, it's actually, we've all got those and we can all say what we do and don't want our taxes to do. That's typically why you elect a governmental body and then they decide. And then if you're not happy with it, you get rid of them after the term that they're done. That's what a democracy is. So, trying to make decisions or comments or positions based around what we do and don't want done with our tax dollars, the time you do that is on election day because you can't please everybody and one half is always going to complain. You know, all these nurses and, um, well, mainly nurses, but nurses and doctors, you know, protest in the hospitals that they're at saying that they should not be forced to take the vaccine um, in order to work there my philosophy is kind of like with the public school situation <laughs> and for a while I, I felt like it was like a very cold perspective but i don't feel like it is because my philosophy is just then don't work there it, you're not entitled to work at that specific hospital so don't well i mean even on top of that i don't know how it works in america i i i on a I mean, I don't want to lose any doctors or nurses. I'm sure no one does from their facilities. In the cold light of day, I, I agree with you. There's a choice there. But I, I did this the other day in a podcast. I had a, I had a disinformation researcher on and we were talking about it. And whilst we were talking, I looked it up and brought it up. And doctors and nurses, people working in the medical places in New Zealand, legally by law already have to have about 10 vaccinations. They have to yeah. have polio. They have to have measles, mumps, rubella. They have to have you know all these ones already. I mean, the question is always: If you have to have these, what what what's the problem? So right. so so a lot of people aren't anti-vax, and maybe you could speak to this being involved in the community. They're anti this vax. Yeah, and I'm interested to know your thoughts around that as well. It, it's it flusters me. I had a doctor one time that 
you know, when I was his patient, he tried to convince me that I should not get COVID vaccine. What flusters me about it is not that I don't want them to work at the hospital. I don't want, I don't want them to quit. It's that I'm trusting them to be evidence-based on yeah. everything else. So it makes me weary when you're not evidence-based on this, like you're putting your opinion on my health and that, that scares me. So it, that's kind of what I mean. Like if you're going to work for a hospital with a set standard um, of evidence-based medicine, then you need to abide by that for the patient's safety. Like you don't get to pick what evidence-based research you follow when people's lives are in your hands. Yeah, no, and that makes, I mean, the thing is that makes complete sense. But yeah. if that makes complete sense, I still then question why all the, you know, why all the, the pushback on by anti-vaxxers you know and and i was i was wondering if we could do something i was wondering if i mean maybe you don't want to do this I, i'll ask you though um if i was to have a conversation with you could you answer a few questions as if you were an anti-vaxxer like if you were and they're yeah. like what, well at least what the answers would be like how you would push back i'd be interested to know what that would be i guess i'm going to i want to make really clear one thing though because people could clip this and make it look a certain way um so just <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, we're going to explain that you aren't someone who believes this. So maybe at the start of each of your sentences, you say, "Well, this is not what I believe now, but what they would say." Just sort of to protect you, because right. I, don't, I don't want you in six weeks' time to have a bunch of clips coming out going, "Yay, she's back in the fold," so to speak. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, got it. You know what I mean? It's just I don't want. Yeah. I guess I guess I'm trying to mitigate a bullshit problem you might have in a few days if someone decided to do it. Yes, I totally. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Okay, so what if I was to ask you, uh, theoretical anti-vaxxer, um, you know, there's one potential death, potential, possible death linked to the vaccine in New Zealand and 10 million doses that have been given, therefore that haven't been linked to anything, any possible deaths. How, how would you respond to that potential former anti-vaxxer? Um, if I were still an anti-vaxxer, I would say, imagine that was you. Like you wouldn't, take the risk imagine that was your child that died i mean it seems like one in millions but what if it was your child is it worth oh. it that's what i would have said okay brilliant so then what i would say to that anti-vaxxer is you know you're right i mean that would be horrific and tragic for that person how about here in new zealand even though we've got one of the best records for deaths in the world there are 60 other families out there who are going through that same thing because of COVID deaths so therefore, if you look at the numbers, as as horrible and clinical as this sounds, but if you look at the numbers in New Zealand, one of the best countries in the world for death per, uh, per capita, you've got possibly, and I'll say that again, possibly one link to the vaccine, and currently around 60 that are from COVID. I would say, as a former anti-vaxxer, that the 60 that died likely had poor diet, underlying health conditions, and they didn't use things like ivermectin and budesonide and hydroxychloroquine, and that those deaths could have been prevented had they eaten healthier. So so you would acknowledge they died from COVID. They should have just been, they should have done something different to not die from COVID. Is that what you're yeah, saying, former anti-vaxxer? Don't die, just don't die. Yeah, as a former anti-vaxxer, <laughs> I would have said that. Just, just stop dying. Duh. Yeah. It's painful. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to stop doing that with you now because <laughs> I, 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 the, the, the mindset is fascinating. And, and I do get frustrated when people pick and choose, like they, they pick the science because their child has cancer, yeah. but they'll ignore the science that talks around vaccines. You know, they'll pick the safety option, uh, to wear fluorescent jackets when they go hunting because that's the best safety option. Right. Yeah, they'll ignore the best safety option when it comes to vaccines. You know, they'll they'll follow their doctor through thick and thin about all these other things and then they'll ignore it over this thing. Did you ever hear as an anti-vaxxer um, the research that was done that says two-thirds of the misinformation out there was provided by 12 people? Did that ever come across your desk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how did you respond? How, how does an anti-vaxxer respond to that? Hang on one second. I'm going to peek on my... 
<laughs> if you're still watching us, we're uh, we're live streaming and you can get involved. I put Ben's message up before he wanted to thank Heather for speaking out about um, your experience, uh, about what she's been doing, and you can jump on there as well. Also, if you're watching this now or listening to this now and you want to let people know about this, this will be a really good one to let people know about, especially if you know someone who, as we speak right now, is uh, here in Wellington. This is actually not a live feed because the live feed has finished. This was a couple of hours ago. Who was here at Wellington thinking that uh, they're suffering attacks of EMF uh, as opposed to getting COVID from sitting in that sitting in that thing. How's your cat? Is the, is the uh, movie going okay? She fell asleep watching JoJo. So she's <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what about what about that? Like, because I've read the research on that. That's it. It might be different now, but certainly about June of last year, twelve people were responsible for two thirds of the misinformation. What does an anti-vaxxer do when that comes across their desk? Um. If I were an anti-vaxxer, I would say that those people are risking it all to speak the truth. Right. These dirty dozen or misinformation misinform 12. Uh, <laughs> I call them that. Um, <laughs> and that they are they're martyrs for the cause. You know, they're risking their lives. They're we really, me and the, my my world of anti-vaxxers believed that this one th this one lady that was a huge influencer, she was like, hey guys, if I ever drop dead, I need y'all to know that I was never on drugs. I was never anything. I'm not suicidal. I need y'all to know that. And like a month later, she did drop dead. And so of course the conspiracies were like, oh, well, the, you know, the government killed her. So that's wow. how we viewed I mean, it was really bad timing, but that's how we viewed all of the the dozen that they're, they're just brave people. I wonder, I mean, okay, he's my conspiracy theory now. I wonder if, what, what did she die of, do you know? Like I was going to say, I wonder if she knew that her time was close and she just used that as your like kind of last final stab in the anti-vaxxer world. She may have. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to misspeak, but I want to say that they, it was just sudden death. They could never like determine it. Um, I'd be interested to know now I, we said it before we came live that, um, I, I don't want to delve into your personal life at all, but when I found you, you were doing a conversation, uh, on CNN with your husband and your husband and, uh, you, you'd obviously come to a, an enlightened position, I would say on vaccines. He, it sounded like you'd kind of taken him down that path. And he was still kind of there and you'd come out of it. Now, I understand, don't get into your personal life, but that relationship has now ended. Yes. Um, and I was just going to ask you if you're wanting to share, you don't have to. For people who are thinking it's rude for me to ask that I actually checked with Heather, it was okay to ask us before we started the <laughs> live stream. Um, how much of that was to do with anything with the anti-vaxxer situation? And like, what do you guys, what do you do now as not an anti-vaxxer who has a child with someone who might have different views on you? How does someone work that? Like if you've got an anti-vaxxer and a, whatever the opposite supposed to be called, a normal person, um, <laughs> wanting different things for a child they both have, you know, custody of. So a lot of people have thought that the vaccine issue is why, you know, we were separated and now divorced. It really wasn't like that. We could have forever had differing opinions on it. I, I truly believe that People who are married or just, you know, together, partners can disagree and figure out a way forward. So he yeah. is, you know, a lot more anti-vax than me. No, I mean, I'm not anti-vax at all, but he he's still on that side. Um, as far as our daughter, we've agreed what he's comfortable with and what I, you know, what I've agreed to do is to to do it just a slower schedule and get her up to date you know, we've worked with her doctor on that and things like that. And so when I've had dads reach out to me and say, can you talk sense to my wife? Um, <laughs> like, no, you can't just, you know, make someone <laughs> decide to go do the full schedule if they are completely anti-vax with no desire to change. But there are ways to, to meet in the middle. And that's what I've seen people able to do. Like say one child gets gets the measles shot or the MMR shot, and then you wait a month and then you do the polio shot and you, you just keep going, you know, a lot of people feel better about that. 
there's quite a funny stand-up routine by Jim Jeffries. I don't know if you've seen it, um, where he talks about the anti uh, about vaccinating his kids and his partner was anti-vax and he was pro-vax. It's like from two or three years ago, so it got nothing to do with the current climate. Um, and he said basically he uh, just basically stole their child, even though it's not stole, went and got all their vaccinations done in one hit. And this kid's like drugged up to the eyeballs for days and he's terrified that he's given his kid autism. And the punchline is to ruin it for everybody, should go and look at it, is that the doctor warned him not to give all the vaccines and the child was fine. But amongst the diagnosis, uh, Jim Jeffries found out he was slightly autistic. So that was his. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite funny. It's quite, got quite a funny turn, turn of phrase. Um, oh you, mentioned, you mentioned husbands wanting you to talk to their wives. My understanding and my reading is there is a lot of mothers who are driving this. Like it's it's the it's the mothers who are more prominent in this sort of anti-vaxxer world than the fathers. Is that your experience? And if so, why? It is um, simply because moms are typically the ones more often than not dealing with the kids or being stay-at-home moms or things like that. So they're more intimately aware of the health details involving the kids a lot of dads just kind of go with the flow of what the mom wants for the child and so that's not the case always but that's what i saw a lot of it in the anti-vax world um but that being said i saw dads who were just as involved and just as anti-vax so it's it's hard to say but i think that's just how it kind of falls into place regardless and that's why it works out that way do you think the work that you did as a prominent anti-vaxxer on social media and stuff do you think it was damaging and if it was do you feel any like remorse for that not that you're to blame today because you're trying to write it but how do you feel about that um so i've given that a lot of thought because i know that i didn't turn any you know extreme pro-vaxxer or like you said normal person anti-vax <laughs> but what i feel like it did do is if there was a person maybe on the fence about vaccinating and they saw right. my post that could have pushed them all the way especially if they were susceptible to misinformation and fear and things like that um i do feel really bad i try not to dwell on it so much as as much as i try to think positively that I know how they're feeling. I've been there and maybe that can help me relate to them so that they don't feel so alone if they do decide to become pro-vaccine and they have all these fears. Yeah. Um, I wonder as well, and I don't know this, but I wonder as well as one of the things that you could take on board that if not through you, probably would have found it through someone else. If they were already susceptible to it and you know, looking for it, they would have found another influencer who would have given them similar or the same information to the same, you know, the ones who are on the fence, I'm saying. So maybe that's uh, a reality in the world. It It is, especially I noticed, oh, uh, when COVID hit, that's when everybody kind of became a warrior, an anti-vax warrior. It was, it was insane. It just, everybody became that or maybe that they were quieter before COVID hit and then they just became outspoken. Even my friends who were upset at me for being anti-vax, when I became pro-COVID vaccine, they were like, well, we are pro-vaccine, but we're anti-COVID vaccine. How dare you? So I was like, uh, yeah, you can't really win. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about this podcast being seen or heard by some people who may be sitting on that fence or who may be anti-vaxxers. So I want to ask you a couple of direct questions that a professional interviewer would have asked you about at the start of the podcast. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm not, so I didn't. But I'm I'm interested. I, I had this idea once, and I've, I know this is going to get stolen one day and used by someone else, and that's fine, about doing a series of podcasts called 24 Hours. And the idea of these podcasts is I want to talk to people 24 what they were doing and feeling and going through 24 hours before whatever the big event was. So I did it with a guy called AJ Hackett who invented bungee jumping. And I was like, what were you going through 24 hours before the first time you ever bungee jumped? Like what was the headspace sort of thing? That's really cool. um, and I want to know from you that 20, cause there has to be 
a singular moment where you go, fuck me, I'm no longer an anti-vaxxer. Like that has to be a singular moment. Five minutes before you might have, maybe six hours before you were an anti-vaxxer, five minutes before you were on the fence, but there must have been a singular moment where you weren't. I'd like to know the kind of 24 hours leading up to that moment, what were you going through, why were you going through it, and, and what were you thinking? It was January 20, um, January 2021, so last year. And I had researched up until that point, and I was starting to just really think that vaccines maybe weren't that scary, and really at all. Um, but I specifically remember I was talking to my friend, and I was like, I, I feel like the polio vaccine is just polio and um, saline. And I feel like this vaccine is just that and that. And this vaccine it seems so safe. And, and I was like, but, but I'm not, you know, I'm not for, I'm not completely for the HPV series yet. Like I, I'm still scared of it. I don't know. I don't know much about it, but I'm for the other things, man, I wish I could just be pro vaccine, but I, I, I guess I'm not because I, I, I'm still scared of the HPV shots. And she was like, you're pro vaccine. You're, it's not an all or nothing thing. You're, you're, you are pro vaccine. You're pro all these shots. And I was just like, and then when I, um, when I had that, you know, spitting up blood and stuff and had the endoscopy, I was sitting, everything had calmed down. I was sitting in the hospital bed and the nurse came in and that was the moment I was like, I just want to, I want to get my, I want to get my flu shot. And I, and I just realized in that moment that I wasn't scared of a reaction or anything like that. Wow. I think it had a lot to do with how much I was cared for by the doctors and how much I, that handled me and my health issues that month and just seeing how much I trusted them. But it was that moment and my friend being like, it's not an all or nothing thing. You are pro science. You are pro vaccine. It'll just continue from there. I'd also like to know on this theme of 24 hours and maybe, maybe we can say 48 hours or 72 hours when you yeah. made that decision or, or let, it sounds like more that you came to the realization. Yeah. Um, when you had that epiphany um, and then obviously you made some decision along the way about getting off the kind of anti-vaxxer influencer model. What, what was that 24 or 48 hours like when you kind of said to the world, dudes and dudettes i'm out what was that like what were you going through then okay yeah that's a good 24 hour question because i man i wrote like a novel it was the longest post i had ever written in my life about what i believed as an anti-vaxxer but why i don't believe those things anymore and why i am pro-vaccine and the exact reasons and the exact things that led me there and um I made this huge post and I remember clicking it and just like, I think I physically was shaking. Cause I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's it. That's it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be slaughtered. This is, Oh my gosh. And I just sat there <laughs> watching the comments come in and they were so bad. Like <sighs> I can't, they were so bad and there were hundreds and it was getting shared so many times. And I just was like, physically shaking. I was so horrified. But at the same time, I had all these people start messaging me that were pro vaccine supporting me. And it was like, okay, I'm on the right side of history right now. Like, this is going to be okay. I have all this support. These people care. Like, this is okay. But it was a hectic 24 hours. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. And I want you to be super honest with me. All right. Okay. Maybe it's an easy question. I, I, only, I only preface it with that because if someone has thought the way that I thought they may think, I'm not saying you did, they need to be really honest to answer this question. You obviously were getting some kind of, I don't know if it was a financial payoff, but some kind of payoff from this anti-vaxxer world, whether it's community or whether it's, you know, whatever it is. And we see it in media all the time. I think Fox News, most of the contributors are a very good example of this. Was there any moment that you had to go through, you went, I'm a I'm I'm vaccinated now. I believe in vaccinations, but I could keep grifting here for a while, and you know get something out of this 
financially or, or, or whatever you needed from it. Was there any moment where you thought, I want to keep playing this role or I'm going to keep playing this role? There was never a moment where I thought, oh, I'm pro-vaccine, I'm gonna keep playing this role. That, I was already out of the anti-vax world almost completely by the time I made that coming out post. There were moments when COVID hit, when I, you know, the downfall of just me as, as a person in the community where I would think, uh, I do not want to give my kids the holistic remedies that y'all guys give your kids. Like, I'm, I'm going to do the Motrin, you know, we're not on the same page. And I was like, you know, but I don't want to lose that community. Like, Money wise. I like, people ask if I was paid, I was not paid by anything ever. I know people that were like, I was offered a job by one of the bigger influencers to work on his website and it would have paid a lot, but I didn't like him. And I said, no, there is money to be made in that and it's dirty money, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the community. It was like, it was like my whole world and I made such good friends and I just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Have you found from the friends that you had in that community, any of them have been able to set aside your positional change now and still keep relationship or are they literally all gone? No, um, there's a couple that have stayed friends with me, but even like my real life friends, a lot of them kind of walked away too, which was hard because their kids were Charlotte's best friends. Um, but yeah, I have a couple that, you know, they still voice their opinions, but they respect mine. Um, yeah, and I, and I get along with people that are anti-vaccine, like my best friend, she is pro-vaccine on the childhood schedules, but she's hesitant on the COVID vaccine and we can talk all day about it. Like we don't have any issue with each other regarding yeah. it, but. Well, and, and, the, and the other thing of people who have watched this whole podcast or will watch it in the future will notice we haven't talked about mandates at all. And that's because I think there are debates and arguments to be had over the mandates. You know, one can make a, a sound and cogent argument both for and against the mandates. I think that's not um, that's not really for me a, a big confusion. I'm I'm confused as to why people because we've got this thing going on in in Wellington, our capital, at the moment. Um, as I said, this isn't these aren't live pictures anymore because the live stream is finished. This was from a a couple of hours ago, but they've been there for 19 days now. This is in the you if this was in America. This would be on the lawn at the White House. That's how close they are to our governmental building. They're on the front lawn of it. Um, and I, I, I was just, I was thinking, I wanted to play something else because, um, but also what I was going to say is the mandates. Uh, this is not, they, they say they're an anti-mandate, as you can see in the heading there, protest, but they're not. They're an anti-vaxxer um, mm -hmm. campaign without, without question. And, and right. my, because, and it's my opinion, even though I say without question, but my opinion is based on the fact that there are some cogent and intelligent uh, points to be made both for and against the mandate. These people make none of them. Like they make none of the, like I've got a better argument why we should, like I'm, I'm okay with the mandate in New Zealand, the mandate to be vaccinated or you can't be a teacher or you can't be, you know, you lose jobs and stuff. I'm okay with that. But I can also see arguments the other way. These people can't see even the arguments that I can see that would be good arguments for them to use. It's just all about the vaccine and control and communism. And the wow. latest one, the latest one that they've been talking about is this guy here. He is one of the leaders down there. His name is Brad Flutie. Um, he's one of the leaders of the debate. Um, what's happened, of course, uh, at this uh, camping ground outside our parliament of uh, upwards of a couple of thousand people down to about 300 people overnight is guess what's happened? Uh, COVID's broken out. Um, and it's now a location of interest. And people there are getting sick. Now, not only are people there getting sick, the organisers of it, and this is for people who are leaving, Heather's just going to go check on her child shortly, um, the organisers of this uh, rally are acknowledging that people are getting sick. For those of you who haven't seen it, this is Brad Flutie talking about people getting sick in the camping ground. Have a listen. So, there's actually been quite a few people we're getting really, really sick. Um, my advice to everyone down there that uh, might actually be uh, something to do with some devices. So you're going to have to um, find some way to stay off site every now and then so you can take care of yourself. 
um, we're going to do something about those devices. So the latest thing is they're getting sick and they're showing signs of COVID, but it's not COVID. It's a government installed EMF weapon conspiracy. Um, and it's that we talked earlier about the motivated cognition. They're going around the obvious. Uh -huh. they're, they're doing that whole, you know, the um, making as many assumptions as they can. It's the opposite of Occam's razor, whatever the opposite is. They're making as many assumptions as they can, as opposed to as few to get mm -hmm. to the conclusion that they want. Um, and, and I, and I still believe the reason I say that's an anti-vaxxer, um, protest and also most people who complain about the mandate most not all because i can see some arguments but most are more talking about the vaccine is if you scratch hard enough like if you go why and they give you an answer and you go why why is that and they give you an answer and you go why is that that's me scratching mm -hmm. um eventually <laughs> they, eventually they get to government control uh you know uh lizard people uh aluminium in the vaccine eventually if you keep saying why 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 oh so why is that why are they doing that oh so why are they doing that oh so like someone said to me the other day ivermectin's not on the shelves in new zealand and i said why is that and they were like what do you mean i'm like why is it not on the shelf i mean if it ever was on the shelf i didn't i've never heard of ivermectin before you know it happened in america with the president um why is it not on the shelves and they didn't know and i went through the process with him and i went so jacinda ardern our prime minister it's overruling Pharmac, which is our, our people who buy our drugs, like we have a, a group that does it, and ordering them to be taken off the shelves so she can keep a miracle cure away from the people and force them to get vaccinated. That's the path you've got to find on one side. On the other side, even if we did have them, it's because of lunatics in America, pardon my description, creating a worldwide need for this stuff where they don't need it, you can't get it anywhere. Which of those is more logical? Which of those is more realistic? And the people who go, you know, Jacinda Ardern's a lizard person controlling the world. It's what I'm saying. You scratch for long enough. Why, 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 why? You keep asking them to explain it. They eventually get to government control, my rights, my privileges, lizard people. That's where they all end up. Honestly, it's, it's, it's where they do. You know why it's not about the mandates, in my opinion? Because if you were mandating people to eat a piece of broccoli per day, I don't think that there would be protests. It's not about being mandated to not be able to drink and drive. We're in a society. You can't drink and drive. That's mandated, essentially, yeah. right? We don't have protests over that. My body, my choice. That's not what we're hearing. They just accept it. But it's not about the mandates. We have plenty of mandates to be a part of yeah. a society. It's about the vaccine. That's it. Yeah. Hey, um, you've been off a couple of times to check on your uh, daughter, your child, I think it's a daughter. So we don't want to hold you up any longer. Um, what I really want to finish with is um, when you're telling your story about getting to that point of deciding, you know, that that realization, someone said to you, you're pro-vaccine. So that was relational. It sounds like the thing that tipped you over the edge on some level was relational. I think, yeah. like I said, I've researched and looked into cults quite a lot and a lot and um, often you see that the best way to get into something is relationally. Yeah, It's also the best way to get out of something. So as someone who's been in the world, um, and let me just bring up your website again so we can answer it while people can see how to, pardon me, read some more of your stuff, back to the vax.com. Someone who's been into the world, talking to people now, actually give me two answers. Talking to people who are in the world right now, what would you say to them? but also talking to people who are in relationship with people in the world, because it's, I firmly believe it's relationship that is the best way to influence someone positive or negative. The number of teenagers I've met who are ardently sold on the anti-vaxxer campaign because they've been basically indoctrinated by their parents makes sense because it's relational, unfortunately. And me having a little chat with them very gently because I'm not their parent and you know I'm, I'll be careful about the truths behind what it is, is going to do nothing when every night across the dinner table, they're being told the opposite by the two people who love them most in the world. So what would you say to people in the anti-vaxxer movement now, the people at Parliament here in New Zealand protesting? And what would you say to the families of those people about your experience, your advice, and where you've got to today? I would say, what if you, what if you were wrong? What if all these scientists and doctors and people 
did want to do what's best? What if everything that you're doing is on the wrong side of history? How would you feel? Because the likelihood that these doctors and scientists are for you and not secretly lizard people or against you is extremely high. And it is such a relief to not fight constantly against normal things in society, um, like vaccinating your kids and, and, and following the rules to keep society safe. Um, I do understand concerns with the COVID vaccine and totally get it. Um, but also start being honest with yourselves. Like if they were mandating that you eat a piece of broccoli a day, would you really be protesting this? It really is about the vaccine. It's not about protesting your freedom. So I would just say to be really honest with yourself regarding the real issue. And then as far as like what to tell people relationally speaking, mm. it just takes one solid sentence that gets through to them. So keep talking. I mean, what I found that works the best is, and what worked the best for me is when people relate it to my fear. When I was freaking out about taking my daughter to her first shot, my friend was like, oh my gosh, I've been there. And she's super pro-vaccine. She was like, I've been there. I was like, I was going to puke. I was so nervous. I get it. I get it. She's going to be fine. But that helped me so much just to relate to that. Great. I think that's great advice. And I think it's um, great advice for for the relational people as well. Hey, um, before we give out all your details again that people can see right now and how to get a hold of yours, read some more of your stuff. Um, has it feels to me from the outside, I'm thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, that this is a division in America, like maybe hasn't been seen for a very long time, maybe since the sixties. You know, when it came to um, you know, voting rights and stuff, I'm I'm not sure, but it's certainly for a very long time. Do you do you see a way forward? Like once COVID goes away, and when I say goes away, I guess what I'm saying to whatever whatever end it's going to take, whether it becomes endemic, whether it does, there's another variant next, and it does kind of finally turn into a cold, which it's not right now. Let, actually, let me just pause. Sorry, I know an 18 year old who was taken to hospital two nights ago by her flatmates because she couldn't breathe. This is not just like a cold. Let me just right. state that clearly, right? So when I say like a cold, I guess what I'm saying is an even less severe variant. Right. You know, in America every year, 12 to 52,000 people die of the flu. America's up to 500,000 deaths a year from this. This is not just like a cold. This right. is not just like the flu. So I just want to get that out there before someone misconstrues what I say. When it does get to something hopefully either gone, like bird flu is gone, swine flu is gone, or it becomes less serious that it becomes a bit more, quote unquote, like a cold. Um, do you think there's a way, maybe the world, but in America that people will come back together or is this an undividable rift or what is, imagine that this is not around in a year's time. What's America going to look like after all this division? You know, once it becomes a, a weaker strain, which I really, I know everybody hopes that it does and say it does happen that way. And it is kind of like the common cold. I think the protests over the COVID vaccine may kind of start to disappear because it won't be as big of a fatal deal. But these people that rallied behind uh, trying to cancel the COVID vaccine, um, I think they're going to push into just being anti-vaxxers for all vaccines at that point. And they're going to use this bravery that they have now to push them, propel them forward to just be against the entire childhood schedule. So I think that's what we're gonna see in the future. I think obviously the COVID vaccine is gonna go right into that, but that's just the big shining star right now. I think we're gonna see a ton of new anti-vaxxers after all of this that became anti-vaxxers from the COVID vaccine and now they're just against all the vaccines. And I think the only way forward, I know that doctors are so tired of just hearing about anti-vaxxers, but I really do, think it's not an all or nothing approach. So many times we hear that you have to vaccinate according to the schedule, you have to do this and this and this. But I, I talk to doctors now um, at like webinars and things like that about what if you accepted a patient that did a slower schedule? What if we push to allow things like that and work with each other? And I think black and white is going to spell doom for 
for the world. And I think this kind of gray zone of working together, push, pull, tugging, tug of war, I couldn't think of the words, is a possible way forward. Yeah. All right. Um, how much do you lay, how much of the blame for where America is at right now in this division? Do you lay the feet of Donald Trump out of interest? All of it. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that's fair. I think he so <laughs> dissenting from the pulpit while he was there and that his supporters caught on to it and then it became a movement. And I, I actually agree with you. I think Donald Trump has a huge portion to play in this, if not all of it. Let's give him 95% and be generous, shall we? At least he got his vaccine. I'm excited about that. I know. He's fully vaccinated and boosted. So, you know, so that follow follow your leader's advice. Do what he did. Be right? a little Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, back to the vax.com. On here, you've got links to Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, TikTok, and Twitter as well. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, you put up, um, you know, postings and stuff there about what you're about. Uh, there's a bunch of interviews and interesting things that people can check out on as well. Gosh, maybe we'll make an appearance on there one day as well. But um, <laughs> it's been fun. Thank you. I do realize it's probably coming up to 11 o'clock your time. Um, and you've got a little girl waiting for you to get to bed. So you can thank her on our behalf. Um, but thanks for joining us here. There has been really enlightening. And I really hope that people will share this around, especially, and maybe take some of that advice that you put out there from someone who's been there and done that and has um, has come to the light, so to speak, come out of the cult and into the yes. warm Thanks, Heather. Hey, all the best, mate. Just stay right there. I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat with you in a minute, but we're about to wrap up the broadcast. So thank you for those who have joined us. Please share this around and um, all the best, Heather, and uh, go the Astros.